If you will look in the Bible at certain times when Jesus would talk to people after they'd received their healing, then he would explain to them how they had been healed. And this is a, a very important facet about God's knowledge and understanding. God works in such a way that he is returning knowledge of himself and us to us. So in every situation where Jesus was, he went about preaching and teaching and healing. Preaching and teaching and healing. Preaching and teaching and healing. Teaching so that people could get understanding. The Bible says when you see with your eyes and hear with your ears and understand with your heart, you are converted and you are healed. So it's a process. So when Jesus went about, he went about operating in this process of healing. But we need to understand that God created us to be healed. The human body is made to be healed. It is not made to remain sick. Absolutely not. Psalm 139.13 says this. O Lord. Wait a minute. Hold on. 139.14. He says, I will praise thee. Verse 13 says, for thou hast possessed my reins. In other words, God controls us. We may think we're in control of things, but that's the biggest lie I was ever told. It's another trick of the enemy, another deception. And the truth is, you don't want to be in control of everything. It's amazing. Sometimes we want to control other people, but we don't want to control ourselves. Huh? Isn't that true? You always want to exert your, assert your control outside of you. Instead of trying to control you. But you can't even control yourself. I watch this program sometime. It's a sad program called Intervention. Anybody seen that on A&E? And if you believe you can control everything, you just ask some of those people who keep trying to get off drugs how easy it is to control yourself. Sometimes we can put our foot in a snare and not even know we've been ensnared. Until you wake up in the trap somewhere. You thought you were going along having a good time. And your foot's already in a snare. And so there's so many unseen things that we're not aware of that we have no control over. So God controls us. Never have any doubt. You can only go so far. He even says, I created the waster to destroy I created the smith that blows the coals. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Uh, He said, I even created the bad people to be bad. So I control everything. So my feeling is if you get with God, you got it. You got the main one who's in control of everything. And nothing that, that goes on in your life can go on without God's approval or his intervention in it in some way. So he says here, you have possessed my reins. You have covered me in my mother's womb. God covered you before you even were born. Before you were even thought of, he covered you. 
And he says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. The human being is fearfully and wonderfully made. He is made by divine design. And healing is built into the human body. It just is built into the human body. There have been people who have gone to heaven. And they said that there is a river of life that you step into. And they said that the water in that river continually flows through your body and out of your body. And it brings life in and out of your body the whole time. Now, if there's a river up there, we're connected to the river by the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that just uh, keeps everything in, in uh, good living condition in heaven. So God has made arrangements to redeem, repair, and restore everything. And he created the human body to be able to be healed. We are to be healed, not to remain sick. If you cut yourself and you begin to bleed, your body, the rest of your body will shut down to a degree. And everything that's necessary for healing rushes to that part of the body. So your body knows when it's injured. Your body knows when it's sick. Your body knows when something has assaulted it. Now you have to remember that when God created us, there was no sin in the garden. But there was, I believe, a constant flourishing of life throughout the body of the man and the woman in the garden. Their, their, their bodies regenerated, resurged. They kept themselves young. They kept themselves in a constant state and condition of wellness, even though there was no disease at that time. But because disease has come, that system of wellness still functions. There has to be a system whereby your body can continue to function. It has to re- replenish the energy that you expend when you walk. It has to replenish the energy that you uh, expend when you do thinking or any kind of tasks or so forth. And so the human body is made to be a self-repairing body. By the same token, the body of Christ is made to be a self-repairing body. There are gifts in the body of Christ that can take care of every need and every function that God's body on earth will ever have. So the body, spiritually speaking, is made to be healed. There is healing already in it. And the physical body has healing already in it. If you begin to bleed, unless you bleed to death, so to speak, the human body can repair all kinds of injuries. They used to say that if a person were burned over 50% of his body, they would just automatically die. But they have methods now where 90% burns have occurred where people can be healed. When, you're, when you are burned, all the fluids come out of your body and you will die quickly from dehydration. Your heart will stop and all of that kind of stuff. But they have methods now to stop that process. So that the natural ability inside can take over. It's not a healing from outside. The main things that we do to treat people in hospitals is to stop the injury process 
and then let the natural bodily process take over. Any doctor will tell you that. The reason that AIDS is so devastating is because it breaks down your immune system. And that is the system of internal repair in the human body is destroyed. So a common cold can kill a person because they have no defenses, no natural defenses in the body to come to that, the aid and rescue of that area. And so when, when your, your, your abilities on the inside of your body are broken down so that your body can't self-repair, then any enemy coming in can destroy your body. It's the same thing with us as believers. When the defenses of the body of Christ are broken down, any enemy coming in, that's why the enemy tries so hard to get strife going among believers or or mistrust or misunderstanding, things of that nature, to keep that going because then the walls are broken down and the enemy can just come in and take whatever he wants to take. So the human body is made so that if there is an injury to a part of the body. You ever notice what, what happens when you hurt yourself? What's the first thing you do? But you grab it, don't you? Huh? That's a normal response to any kind of injury. If you say if you cut yourself, you grab it. And that's a normal response because when you grab it, you begin to apply pressure on it. To stop the bleeding, you don't even know you're doing it. But that's why you grab for it. Is that so that your brain automatically knows, stop the bleeding, or we're going to die here. So everything in your body runs to your defense. This is why the enemy always distracts us with some kind of tampering with our security. If he can mess with your finances, he can get your mind off of preaching the gospel so that you can run over here and try to protect your finances. If he can mess with your children, then you drop what you're doing for God and run over here and try to protect your children. So that's a normal human response to go and try and defend or protect the affected area or the hurt or the damaged area or the area where the trouble is. And it's a normal thing. And so the human body, God made us to be healed. He made us to be healed. What happens when people die? It means the assault on the body has overwhelmed the natural process of healing. What, what they do with you in the hospital is they give you treatments to buy time. So that your human body can take over its own healing process. You're only buying time. Antibiotics kill germs a little bit at a time. Some of them don't work on some germs. You ever had some, a doctor said, well, we'll try this. And if it doesn't get any better, let me know. I got a bunch of other ones over here I can try. And so the first one doesn't work so well. You think, oh, I'm feeling better. I ain't going back. I don't want to keep taking these pills. And that what happened was your natural body began to take over and your body is beginning to repair itself because God made the body to be healed. It is more normal to be healed than to be sick. Now what the enemy does with us is he tries us to to get us to accept sickness as a way of life and as normal and as routine. And he will even get your mind so turned around that you might think you will never recover even from small things. If you let a small thing get on your mind and start to worry you, 
you can worry yourself into a place of believing that it will, you won't even recover from a hangnail. Huh? Now, I've had little aches and pains. I call them crimes against the elderly. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. <laughs> because, you know, you think to yourself, now, where did this pain come from? I never had pain in my knees. What is this doing? Get out my knees in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Loosen up. Don't get stiff. What happened to you, body? <laughs> and so you <laughs> begin to resist what seems to be almost a natural process. And then you think to yourself, no, wait a minute. Now, I don't have to put up with this. Now, this just is not normal. Now, I'm just going to get up and keep walking (laughs) and see if I can get some of this life back again. But see, it is possible to focus on the natural enough that you begin to accept and embrace illness as a normal part of life. But it's not. The body was made to be healed. Everything that we get from TV, from ads, from everything is trying to get us to accept illness and expect it as a normal way of life instead of resisting it right off the bat. You can resist it. You don't have to embrace it and then go to the doctor and then find out what it is and then go get healed. This is crazy to me. Resist it, step one. Step one, resist. And just don't accept it and embrace it, especially when you know the Lord. And so God wants us to resist our souls agreeing with something that he did not plan for us. He wants us to resist that in the authority of Jesus' name and go forward and be healed. I heard a testimony some years ago. Anybody old enough to remember a lady by the name of Lola Falana? She was a dancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I take the fifth. I plead the fifth. Not guilty. But anyway, she was a very, very attractive woman. She was a dancer, excellent dancer, and she was one of those people who danced on Broadway night after night after night after night after night. And so she was in excellent physical condition. One day, she found herself paralyzed on one side. And she started dragging one leg around. And she said that she, she couldn't believe it at first. And then it would go away. And it would come back and go away. And then finally she went to the doctors. And they ran some tests and they said, well, we're not sure, but we think you have MS, multiple sclerosis. Any of you know Miss Audrey? She got healed her from multiple sclerosis years ago. Yeah, she's an Former MS (laughs) healed. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Amen. Amen. In fact, when I met her, uh, it's been about, well, about 20 years ago now, she was sharing her testimony about how God had healed her from MS. But Lola said that she, she couldn't accept that. She said, I just couldn't accept it. And she said she began to notice something. She said, I began to notice that before this, this, uh, paralysis would come on me she said this thing would try to come and attach itself to me she said and I spoke to that thing and she said you can't have me she said I belong to Jesus I accepted Jesus when I was a little girl and you can't have me because Jesus already has me and she was a dancer in the world not in church but she had relationship 
with God that she knew from way back and she used her authority and fought it off and was healed and quit show business. She just works for God. Been doing that for maybe 25 years now. She just left totally. Amen. Totally left the world. So she took her miracle and dedicated her life to God. But see, the body is made to be able to heal itself. The body is made to be healed because if you will resist sickness, if you will resist symptoms, if you will resist disease, it will leave you. And the sooner you can resist it, the better. Now, people who live in the natural only must wait for the natural process. And like I said, medicine buys time so that the natural can take over. But we as believers have the supernatural. You don't have to wait for time. You don't have to try and buy time. You don't have to be concerned about time because the Bible says, us at any time, you can be converted and be healed. All you have to do is have your mind flipped around from believing you're sick to believing you're healed. That's all. I said, that's all. Huh? See? It is very simple. It's very simple what God has provided for us. So we can make up our minds to take the spiritual route. We won't have to worry about the natural route. You will run out of time in trying to take the natural route for things. Or you'll miss out on a lot of things that you could participate in in trying to, to wait on the, the course of natural things. I was, I saw Christopher Reeve, everybody remembers him, and he had the riding accident. And then he realized he was paralyzed, and the only thing left for him to do would have been to hold out for a miracle. Now, I don't believe in holding out for miracles. I believe in pursuing them because they are freely provided for us by God and they're free to everybody, saint and sinner alike. But he began to dedicate his life to research on stem cell, the the promise that they some people believe that uh, embryonic stem cells, stem mean brain stem cells, so it's, it's uh, nerve tissue, might have to regenerate itself and be implanted into people with paralysis and they can walk again. And he firmly believed that they would find an answer in his time. So he went about raising money and hoping that he could live long enough to see that day And, of course, you know he didn't, and his wife didn't either, and she was helping him with that. But I'm going to just read you something real briefly. I I thought I'd share this with you to get you to understand how, how hard it is to hold out for a natural cure. Number one, a natural cure depends on knowledge and power, just as a supernatural cure does. So in order to get a natural cure, there must first come knowledge of the disease it has to be studied and then there has to be power to get rid of it so you're working with two different components of something but I thought I was thinking about this and I thought about how the um, um, how people figured out blood circulation 
And so I thought I would share this with you just to give you an idea of how long it took for human beings to figure out just where human blood was and how it circulated. So I'm just going to read this. A history of discovery. The valves of the heart were discovered by a physician of, a, of the Hippo, <laughs> Hippocratian school. Okay, that was Hippocrates. Remember the guy who wrote the oath for doctors? Hippocratic oath. Okay, school around the 4th century B.C. So this was 300 something. However, their function was not properly understood then. So in the 4th century, a man found that there were valves in the heart but couldn't understand how they functioned. He said, because blood pools in the veins after death, arteries look empty. Ancient anatomists assumed they were filled with air and they were for the transport of air. So the first time valves were discovered, they made a misdiagnosis on the purpose based on what they saw. That's natural evidence. Hierophilus distinguished veins from arteries but thought that the pulse was a property of arteries themselves. So he thought your arteries pulsed instead of everybody, you know your heart pulses and that's what causes the arteries to push like they do. So he must have thought there were little muscles in your arteries that pushed the blood through, but that's not true. Another guy observed that arteries were cut that were cut during life bleed. So here's another piece of evidence that they have about circulation. He ascribed the fact to the phenomenon that air escaping from an artery is replaced with blood that entered by very small vessels between veins and arteries. So those are capillaries, so he had that part right. Thus he apparently postulated capillaries but with the reverse flow of blood. So he had the capillary action right but the flow was backwards. In the second century A.D., Greek physician Galen knew that blood vessels carry blood and identified venous or dark red blood and arterial blood, which is brighter and thinner, each with distinct and separate functions. Growth and energy were derived from venous blood created in the liver from chyle, while arterial blood gave vitality by containing pneuma or air and originated in the heart. So that's not right. You know they both originate in the heart. The, you don't, your liver doesn't produce any blood. A lot of blood goes through there, but that's not true either. Blood flowed from both creating organs to all parts of the body where it was consumed and there was no return of blood to the heart or liver. So we know it circulates, gets cleansed, and comes back again. These guys didn't know that. They didn't know where it went. It just went from one to the other and nothing really happened. The heart did not pump blood around. The heart's motion sucked blood in during diastole and blood moved by the pulsation of the arteries themselves. So that's what they thought in the second century. Galen believed that the arterial blood was created by venous blood passing from the left ventricle to the right by passing through pores in the intraventricular septum that's in the heart. Air passed from lungs through the pulmonary artery to the left side of the heart. As the arterial blood was created, sooty vapors were created and passed to the lungs also via the pulmonary artery to be exhaled. Well, that's close, but that's no cigar. Okay. In 1242, now this is almost a thousand years later. So they first started to study it in the third century. Now another thousand years goes by before any new understanding comes. 
the Arab scholar Ibn Nafis became the first person to accurately describe the process of blood circulation in the human body. Contemporary drawings of this process have survived. In 1552, Michael Servetus described the same, and Ronaldo Colombo proved the concept but remained largely unknown in Europe. Finally, William Harvey, a pupil of Fabricius, who, was earlier described, who earlier had described the veins without recognizing their function, formed a sequence of experiments and announced in 1628, from the year 1300 years, the discovery of the human circulatory system as his own and published an influential book about it, this work with its essentially correct exposition slowly convinced the medical world. So you got to get the information right. Then you got to find somebody else who believes you're not a nut and can accept it even when it's true. Somebody waiting for a cure, right? Harvey was not able to identify the capillary system connecting arteries and veins. These were later described by a guy by the name of Malfigi. And he came along in 1628. He was an Italian doctor who gave his name to several physiological features. He was a pioneer in using, guess what? If you've got to study blood vessels what do you, and small things, what do you need? Hello. So you know how the circulation goes, but you've got to wait for the guy who's nosing around for something to analyze it with to get his act together. So all these years they're waiting on somebody to create a microscope so they can really figure out what's going on. So with the microscope, he was able to study blood circulation and all these things. So he, he was able to publish his results and little by little he was able to get uh, some knowledge going. He said he used a microscope for studies on skin, kidney, and for the first interspecies comparison of the liver. He greatly extended the science of embryology. So he was able to study uh, growth and things like that. He was regarded as the founder of microscopic anatomy and the first histologist. So that was the first microscope that was usable in 1656. So we come up to this day and age, the telescope was invented in 1608, the microscope 1600, 200 years passed before any improvements were made on it. In 1893, somebody did some more research and was able to get a microscope that would study real cells. Till we come down today where they have electron microscopes that can take a cancer cell and slice it so thin you can't even imagine the measurement of it. They, take, they freeze them, they put, put the CO2 freezing on them, and they will slice it paper, paper, paper thin. It's not even in inches thin. It's in smaller units than that, so that they can break it down and study it. And still they can't describe all the cancer cells that are available, even though they can break it down that far. So waiting on a natural, I say all that to say this, folks, waiting on a natural cure, Trusting in a natural cure, trusting in pills, and trusting in the system of knowledge and power on the natural realm will be very slow and very tedious, and for some diseases it just will not happen. They have hope for a cure for many things, 
But for many things a cure will never be found because there is nobody to put in the time. It's like leading a blind person down a blind alley in a lot of ways. Many of the scientists, there was an explosion of, of around the 1800s, say like the time of the American Revolution and years after that. There seemed to be these explosions in knowledge, technology, and all of those things. Even with those explosions, things get very, very slow. They're very, very slow. The process is just real tedious. And it's time-consuming. And it is hit or miss. And even though you may be waiting for a cure to try and repair your body and stave off what the enemy is doing to your body, God's word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. His word says that he holds healing in his wings. That means when God's presence is in the room, Just a brief puff of air from God will heal a human being while we wait on cures and we wait on research and we do hope for a cure. People think, uh, natural people think the way to get everything done is to raise enough money. But even when you raise money, you've got to wait for the right people to study it. You've got to wait for the right people to get interested in it. You've got to wait for the right availability of equipment to study these things. So the natural man, even though we have ability to, our bodies have the ability to be healed by the natural root, it takes some kind of outside push most times in order to get that process going in enough time to alleviate human suffering and to allow for suffering to diminish and allow for healing and repair to take place. Most healing takes place better in an atmosphere of peace. It's very hard to get people healed if they're upset and they're agitated, and they're nervous, and they're fearful. It's very hard to do that. And there is not a, a, a doctor or a medicine that can really do all that it needs to do to, to get healing to you, but God can. God can bring his peace into your situation and allow you to be able to focus on him and what he's saying to you. And if there is instruction that God will give about getting healed, that can be followed even by the sickest, most uncomfortable of people. There are people that will come into a meeting in pain. People will come into meetings on cots where they couldn't walk, in constant pain. Cancer victims. People who have been given one week to live, one day to live, and been brought into meetings and walk out totally whole. We had a woman that that came to one of our meetings. Um, Do you all remember that lady? She was from Detroit. Her name was Shirley. She worked with Terry Kaplanis. Do you remember that healing school? We had it in Cleveland that time. And she came down on the bus with us. And when she came in, it scared me. But I knew God had sent her there, so I slapped myself around a couple of times, quit crying, and and got unscared. You understand what I'm saying? Because we had asked her to come. And so when she came in, she was, she was wasted almost totally away and was in a wheelchair. She, could, she hadn't walked, she said, in at least two months. Whatever cancer she had took her down very rapidly. And we encouraged her to get on the bus, and her friend Terry told her to get on the bus and got on with her and brought her to the meeting. And when she left that meeting that evening, she was pushing that wheelchair. She had somebody else in that wheelchair pushing that wheelchair out of her, out of there, Because God had totally reversed all that illness in her body. 
And so we had encouraged her, you know, stay under the word, stay in an atmosphere where the anointing is. This is something God tells me to tell people all of the time. Wonder why? Must be there's some power there to heal them. I remember, you remember Brad that started with us years ago? Brad had AIDS. And one of the problems that he had had was the medications. And this was back in the late 80s. Late 80s is when he was sick. And they were just testing out a lot of medication, horrible side effects. And the medications had caused all of his fingers to go numb. And uh, he would wear T-shirts all the time because he couldn't feel the buttons to button his own shirts. And it was really sad because he said, you know, on Sundays I like to wear a shirt. He said, and it's good because my mother's home from work and she can put the shirt on for me. And one of the things that he really wanted, he was a real nice dresser too. He you know, had real nice clothes and he liked to look nice. And so he wanted to be healed, period. But he said that he had come to church that Sunday and he said, I had just written my obituary. He said, the doctor told me that I would be dead in two weeks and just get your affairs in order. And he said, I left my church. And he said, the thought came to me. He said, I've never been over to this church over here. He said, and the Lord just told me, come over here. And, and see. And we began to pray for him. And so God had him join us. We had a ministry inside the church at the time. And he would come and we met two times a week. And the Lord told me to tell him that if he would stay under the anointing, he would be healed. And he kept getting better. And I remember the day God told me to pray for his fingers to be restored. And so we were standing there praying, and I said, well, God, show me what to do. And he said, just like Elijah the prophet did, he said, when he put his hand to his hand and his mouth to his mouth and his nose to his nose. And we did this, and I said, well, God, just heal him in Jesus' name. And he said, I could feel some cracking in my bones again. He felt it. And feeling came back, and he started wearing his own shirts and buttoning his own shirts again. Amen. See, God, God has it planned already. See, you can't wait on the, he couldn't wait on the natural folks. He would be dead waiting on the natural. Because they don't have a real cure yet. And so God moved and began to heal him. And the enemy got in and started telling him to quit coming to the meetings because it was getting cold outside. And he said, every winter I catch a cold. He said, I can't, he said, I can't risk going out. And when that happened, that shut the door to his healing. You see, God has it planned already. He has everything planned for everybody. But see, it's going to require that you not pay attention to natural things. And you begin to deal totally with the word of God, the instruction of God in the supernatural. And you've got to believe that if God tells you to go somewhere, he's not going to kill you on the way to going there. You see, you've got to have confidence in God. And so it was, wasn't long before Brad got sicker and sicker and had to go in the hospital and did pass away. But I firmly believe that if he had followed the instruction of God, he'd be here today. He'd be here today. Because some things are a process and the supernatural is there to encourage the process. And the supernatural can cut years, centuries off of your wait for a cure and a healing. It can cut time off of your wait for a cure. Jesus, everybody he healed, got healed instantly. And if they didn't get it instantly, it was an hour later. He said they began to mend within that hour. 
So you can get it instantly or within an hour. It's up to you how you want to call the shots on that. So God's healing power is here all the time so our bodies can be healed. So we're going to talk about, I'm going to share an example with you in 2 Kings chapter 5. Said all that to say go to 2 Kings chapter 5. And we're going to look at Naaman again. You have to understand God's ways. The Bible said he sent his word and healed them. Didn't send his word just to chit and chat with you. Huh? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So God's word does a total work on you. Whenever you are sick, folks, God will send a word of healing to you some way. He just will. If you want to be healed, he will send a word of healing to you. The only thing he needs is to find a messenger to carry the word and carry it straight. I had to learn that about God. You don't fix his word up for people or tamper with his word. You have to deliver his word straight. That's the way it came. That used to be my favorite way when I was in the world drinking. I used to drink liquor just straight. I said, I can't worry with all that popping stuff in here. Just give it to me. (laughs) It has the greatest effect that way. Sending you to AA quick and fast and in a hurry. You know, if you stay with it. But mercifully, God delivered me out of that life. And I haven't looked back since. But everything you want, you want it full strength. Huh? You, want it, you want it the way it comes so that it will have its full effect and have its full power. So whenever God gives you a word of healing for someone, you must deliver that word exactly the way God gives it to them. Exactly. You have to deliver it exactly the way he gives it to you. And so whenever you require God's healing power... He will see to it that a word of healing gets to you. He watches over his word to perform it. In spiritual things, God begins to move toward us to affect healing. You must know that if you need someone to encourage you about healing or somebody's praying for you, you must know that whenever an assault on his body happens, God begins to mobilize himself toward you to bring healing to you. He just does. You begin to to be more focused on the word. That's because the Holy Spirit is opening your heart up to what you really need. You begin to, to rest in the knowledge that God has provided healing for you. So he wants to be able to give you everything that you need, and he wants to be able to provide for you everything that you're requesting, because he wants you well. And your body is designed for healing. It is made to be healed, not made to be sick. Never accept sickness as a normal course of things. Family history, generational curses. All of those things that people pay more attention to than they do the word of God is designed to get us to accept sickness 
more than health. Now they have all kinds of reasons for you to be sick. You know, it's your environment. Well, it's your heredity. Well, it's both. And it sets you up to expect sickness instead of to be healed. So we have a war to fight here where we have to resist all of those things. And I guess in the natural they mean well because some people live in a preventive mode. Hmm? But I live in a healed mode. You can live in a healed mode too if you decide to. So you don't have to watch, you know, keep getting checked so you can prevent certain things because your daddy died of it. Hmm? My father is, how old is daddy? Does he tell him the truth about his age? 88, 89. He lops off three years just for convenience, you know, in case, in case he might be talking to his future. But, <laughs> but uh, he just doesn't go to doctors. He'll, and he'll be sick and go to VA hospital and give them the slip and wind up going home, don't take the pills. Healthy as a horse. And the stuff he needs, he winds up getting. Like, you know, we were all concerned about him. How many years ago did he get his pacemaker? I remember about 10 years ago. Yeah. And I said, oh, man, he'll be around for a long time. Now I got this pacemaker in there, man. So, well, I used to threaten to put him by the microwave. I said, you be a good boy, I'll put you in front of the microwave. <laughs> My nurse devil coming out. But... Uh, <laughs> Microwave short out the batteries in those things. <laughs> it's not not nice. We'll get the paddles and charge. <laughs> no, but anyway, but uh, he he's been around because he resists all the nonsense. See, you can use your faith to resist it until God brings you somebody with a word of healing for you. <laughs> so dutifully, either Shirley or I will go over there and pray for him, and he keeps going. Yeah, he keeps it going. And so that's how God takes care of him. He just resists all the stuff. He doesn't, he said, ah, those pills, I don't care about those pills. You know, he's, one of the things he never liked is he always liked to drink his beers. And he was scared the pills would mess up with the beer, you know, so he, uh, he ain't going to have none of that. He, you ain't messing with his good stuff. <laughs> he did it for totally different reasons. <laughs> he's not a uh, health nut at all. But he's just, that's not where his faith is. It's just not there at all. And he said to doctors, he said, now, they get you in there and they ask you, what's your family die of? He said, why do you need to know all of that? And he, would, he wouldn't tell him. He said, oh, I don't know. We didn't have no disease in our family. Family history is like blank. They don't tell him nothing. And he said, if you want to find out what's wrong with me, you find it out. I'm not going to help you. You know, that kind of stuff. I ain't thinking about these people. huh? Most cooperative, uncooperative patients you ever want to meet, but he's almost 90 years old and he's still here. You know what I'm saying? So, so there's a resistance, a natural resistance that comes. When you don't want to embrace illness and you don't want to accept it. You just, there's something in each human being that if you will go with that, then you will begin to resist. And then God's obligation is to send a word of healing to you. So in 2 Kings chapter 5, we're going to look at Naaman and how that happened with him. In 2 Kings chapter 5. 
verse 1, Naaman was captain of the host of the king of Syria. So he was a warrior. So you might expect a person like this to want to be well, want to be vigorous, want to be healthy. And then the people around him wanting him, supporting him in this. So sometimes, oftentimes, that's enough faith for God to begin to move. Hmm? Just the desire to want to be rid of disease is often enough faith for God to respond to. So number one, you have to want rid of your disease. You have to want it and resist it on the level that you resist it. And most everybody does. When you go to the doctor, that means that you want to be better. When you go seek any kind of attention for it, you want to be better. He was a great man with his master and honorable. Because by him, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. So God used this man. By him, the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Drawback. He was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Now this girl was not there of her own volition. You ever find yourself in a situation, you don't know how you got there. You don't know, just, I don't know, I must be lost. I took a wrong turn here. And then somebody in that place, you reach out to and begin to share whatever you share in Christ with them. Sometimes you might even find yourself going to the store. And they don't have what you need at this store. And it's not important even. It's not even an emergency that you have it. But somehow you just think to yourself, well, let me just go and get this and get it over with. Or you just press on and get it anyway. Or sometimes you you don't know what you're looking for. You go in a store and you just want to look. You think you're just there to shop and you don't really see anything. Go rack to rack to rack. And then finally you run into somebody that needs a word of healing or needs a word of encouragement. Any word from God heals you. Huh? Jesus said that. He said, what's easier for me to say? Be healed or your sins are forgiven. In other words, any word I tell you will heal you. There's healing power in every word of God. Period. That's why you never run out of topics for healing school. Because there's healing power in every word of God. See, that word repairs, restores, delivers. Even when you feel encouraged when you leave, you're healed. If you got cut a little bit and you're bleeding when you go out, you'll heal. <laughs> we just did a little surgery. You didn't know. <laughs> a little surgery and got that out of there and you didn't even know. It was. <laughs> and now you're healing up. You're bleeding on the way back to healing and wholeness. And so when you get the word of God, that is a healing word. And so it says here, they had brought her captive out of the land of Israel. Now all her days of thinking, why me? Why did I have to be enslaved? Why couldn't I have wound up over someplace else? Why couldn't I have escaped and still been with my people? Why am I in this bondage? Why am I bound? Why can't I get out of this situation? Why am I here? It's because maybe God needs you there to bring a healing word to somebody who needs it. And it says here, she waited on Naaman's wife. 
And she said to her mistress, Would to God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria. This is a wish on her part. She's just expressing. She's not there trying to preach to nobody. She's not there trying to be anybody. She's a slave. And oftentimes slaves don't have much voice. They certainly don't have any power. So the only thing she can do is really express an opinion. Sometimes a healing word can come across in the form of an opinion or a wish or a, a sigh or, oh boy. She said, you know what, if he, I know if he were in Samaria, there's a prophet over there that could heal him of his leprosy. And that's all she said. She wasn't trying to brag on her people being full of power or anything like that. It was just something that popped into her head. And, and from the force of conviction, she expressed it to this man's wife. And that's how the healing word gets released many times. It's by unction of the Spirit of God. But there is a healing word for everybody that will bring them to health, healing, and wholeness immediately. Immediately. If you will step out in faith and obey that healing word and expect your healing to come immediately, it will come immediately. If you expect to linger and suffer with it, you'll linger and suffer with it. So you have to expect that healing word to come forth and heal you immediately. And she said, he said, for he would recover him of his leprosy. She said, I know he'll do it. And says, one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. So here, somebody else picks the healing word up and carries it to him. God has a chain of communication that will get that word to its final destination. Sometimes it will be locked up in us. You ever get a thought, somebody in your family is sick, and you'll say, I should get him a healing tape, or I should get him a this, or I should get him a that. And that thought comes to you, and you don't act on it immediately, and it comes back. See, when it's God, it comes back. And then it'll come back, and it'll come back, and it'll come back, and get stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, if you're, you're accustomed to dealing with God, you'll learn. That when he tells you the first time, he means you to move on it the first time. Hmm? But whenever you move, it's a good thing because at least you have obeyed God. You have to move when you're sure. You know, sometimes you'll say, well, I don't know if this is just me or if this is really God telling me to do this. But pretty soon your spirit and your mind will get trained that this is what God expects me to do no matter who's sick. And you just can do it as a routine and do it as a pattern then. But that word of healing is released into his body and carried wherever it needs to go. So she's just expressing that she really wishes he could get over there in Samaria because she knows there's somebody who can heal him. And the wife hears him and the servants hear her. And it gets back to Naaman. And that's what God wants. He wants it to be delivered to that person who needs the word. Now how many of you have tried to encourage somebody that they could come to a meeting, be healed or something like that, and they refused? Okay, now that's going to happen. 
But that does not stop the release of the word of healing through the body of Christ to take it to whoever wants it. Amen. So you're not in charge of what happens to the message. You're simply the messenger. Huh? So this girl expressed this one time and maybe it shocked her when people start buzzing about it all over the place. See? So you have to deliver that word by unction. Then people hear by unction. They deliver by unction and finally gets to deposit into the person that needs the word of healing. So then we got the other issue. What's the vessel going to do with it once they receive it? Will they receive it and obey it? Or will they reject it and not obey it? And so this is the dilemma we get into with all of the healing tapes that we make and all of the healing CDs that we give away. Do they really listen to them? Again, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to send the word of healing and give instruction for how to be healed. It's still up to the individual to perform and obey on that word in order to receive what they need. But we must do this. Why? Because the body is is made to be healed. God's body is made to be a healing body. The body of Christ is constructed to be a healing body. Everything that's in us goes forth to teach people how to be healed. It just goes forth that way. Once you get into the flow of the spirit of God's body, there will be a healing word that will come forth from you at some point. You probably got people healed don't even know. Hmm? They've gone on, received the word, been blessed by it, and gone on their merry way. Our nephew Stephen, uh, he still gives his testimony. He isn't committed to the Lord yet, but he gives his testimony. He said, yeah, a friend of mine was laughing at that Benny Hinn. And I told him, man, don't laugh at that. That's real. He said, and I told him about that time. He said, remember that time you told me you was going to pray for me? My foot, <laughs> he had broken his ankle or something, and he was on a crutch or two. No, he was still on a cane, and it had been like a year. And so I prayed, what would you say? Five years? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Five years then. And he was still walking on a cane. And I don't know where we were. I just grabbed him and prayed for him. And, and uh, he said he started walking on it, and he went to the mall and forgot his cane. So he had to go back and get the cane and bring it back, and then pretty soon he realized that he was healed, you see. So there is a healing word in the body of Christ that has to go forth for everybody. There's a healing word for everybody that must go forth. And we're the ones who must take that healing word wherever God wants it sent. It is not your responsibility to see to it that they perform and do the instruction of that word. Your, word, your, your dilemma is just to get it to them. That's your responsibility is to get that word, healing word, to them. So here Naaman is, and this girl tells her mistress this, and it gets it spreads like wildfire all over Naaman's household. Verse 4, one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid. And verse 5, the king of Syria said, Now I got all the way back to the king of Syria. Shows you how powerful the word of God is. See, these things are important. Why do you think it got all the way all around like that? Huh? Because an atmosphere has to be created for a miracle. That poor little man trying to get healed from leprosy by himself. Come on, y'all. 
So there must be an atmosphere created where everybody believes. You tell this one, I said, really? He can get healed? Oh, I'm looking forward to that. And this one says it, and this one says it. And pretty soon it's up to the top person who can move things so to get the, the job done. So God knows how to influence who he needs to influence in order to get his work done. It, don't let it shock you if you're in the presence of quote-unquote important people high up people because the word of God is in you that word is to take you wherever and don't get impressed about who people are when God puts you they're all the same he sees everybody the same the king of Syria said go to go and I will send a letter to the king of Israel so this man Naaman must be a very important man because all the high up people want to see him healed so he's got a corporate faith He's got an atmosphere for a miracle going. He's got everything going that he needs to have going so that he can be healed. And he says, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. When this letter has come to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to do you that you might recover him of his leprosy. Now, this is like that gang telephone. You start out with a message, and by the time it gets to four or five people, it's all screwed up. That girl never said the king would heal him, did she? She said, if you get to Samaria, a prophet will heal you. So why are they sending letters to the king? Huh? The king's upset because he don't have an anointing to heal nobody, and he knows it. So he's tearing his clothes, putting sackcloth. Oh, Lord, they're going to kill me now. They find out I can't heal nobody. I'm a, oh, 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 I ain't got the good. Huh? So the king's all upset, and the prophet hears about it. Huh? Now, if the prophet were insecure and quick to be offended, he might get offended that they didn't come to him. Hmm? But he doesn't. Why? Because the healing word is in him so strong, he's looking for a place for an outlet for that word of healing. Okay? That's what ministers live for. Is to release the word on people so that they can be healed. Huh? And so this is his job to find out who, where, needs God and get there and help them. That's all they know. And so he finds out that somebody's trying to get a healing through the king and he decides to undertake for him. So it says here in verse 9, Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now here's Naaman with leprosy. He's gone to one person and been turned down. Hmm? Yes? Went to one Benny Hinn meeting and didn't get it. Hello? Y'all heard these stories before? So when you get, the, the question is, are you going to keep pursuing your healing or are you going to let that stop you? Huh? The people who believe God will humble themselves and go to the next place they're told to go in order to get what God has for them. Simple obedience. You're just following the trail of healing. You're following the flow of the Spirit. You're following the anointing. You refuse to be discouraged. You refuse to get in your flesh and get offended because it didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. So Naaman gets discouraged at one point, but he goes on. They tell him the king is not the person to see, it's a prophet you need to see. 
So verse 9, Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will come again to you and you will be clean. Now how precise a prophecy can you get? God tells you what to do, how many times to do it, and what the result will be. So you have the instruction and the promise all in one package. It's not you might get healed if you try this, but it's very precise. So Elisha gives this message through a servant, which is common for prophets to do. They often work through other messengers. That's part of their training. That's how prophets get trained to, to send messages from God. They have to get it from another prophet. And then go and give it just like they, <laughs> they told them to give it. That's very important. So the messenger tells Naaman what Elijah tells him to tell him. And then he goes out and he says, but Naaman was angry and went away. Now he didn't get mad when the king couldn't heal them. But when he came to the prophet, you see, people like he are accustomed to respecting kings. He worked for the king. So he thinks, oh, I'll go to the king, I'll go to the highest person here, and surely I'll get what I need. When he didn't get it there, the king sent him to the prophet, and he says, oh, well, he works for him. Then I'll say, but when it came to the third guy down the rung, he didn't want it. huh? Kenneth Hagin Jr. says that was a, a problem in his ministry all his life. People would tell him when he would go to pray for people, I don't want, I don't want second best, I want the father. See? Always rejected him. Somewhat, you know, people that didn't understand. They always wanted the top person. That's common with people, folks. Common. Because they don't understand how the anointing operates. So Naaman was angry and went away. And behold, he says, I thought he will surely come out to me. Now this is what he thought in his mind. This is what gets us goofed up sometimes. We think we know how God's going to do something. And so what you're doing when you do that. You were taking a supernatural occurrence and trying to pull it into natural. You're trying to work the supernatural through a natural door. And it won't work that way. It's got to be 100% supernatural or it's not God. We're not trusting God. And so he decides, he's already made up in his mind that he thought the prophet was going to come and touch him. And touch him. And touch him, a leper. And leprosy is highly contagious. So he wants some specialized treatment because he is who he is. Never put your healing on a condition of it's got to come a certain way, you know, to preserve my dignity. And to make me look like I'm not somebody that everybody needs to avoid. It's amazing he was even allowed to live in the house with his family. If he had been a Jew, he would have been separated from his family because God knew leprosy was contagious and he kept people away from him. And so with this, he decides he doesn't want it anymore. He said, well, that's the last straw. I don't want this. This isn't right. How many times have we thought something that was God wasn't right? It turned out to be right after all. And see, this is the problem sometimes with people getting healed. The humility factor has to be right. They've got to humble themselves 
to obey the instruction of God so that they can be healed. So he was angry. He talks about all of these rivers in Damascus better than the water in Israel. What does that have to do with anything? Huh? What is the quality of the water? You see how the natural mind will steal the supernatural healing power of God from you? When his body is already lined up to be healed, all it needs is a word from God to activate the healing power that's already resident in him. His faith has healing power. And all he needs to have is a word of God to match his faith so that the healing can come together. It's always a matter of knowledge and power when you need healing. It's knowledge and power. It's knowledge and power. So you need to get out of the knowledge that's got you sick and into the knowledge that gets you healed. So his servants came near in verse 13 and spoke to him and said, My father, if a prophet had bid you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much rather than when he said to you, wash and be clean? He said, how hard is that? How simple would that be for you? Doesn't that make sense to you to go wash and be clean? So Naaman humbled himself and he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again clean like unto a little child. Now let me tell you that that word of healing that was released for Naaman, God releases a word of healing for everybody that's sick. There is a word of healing for everyone. There is no such thing as you're too sick to get healed by God. It's too late for your healing. There's no such thing as that. But there is a word of healing that is released from God's throne to every single person that ever gets sick. Some of them never get it. Somebody was telling me, uh, uh, I think Matt has a friend that's where's Matthew where your friend is you you got some stuff for him or something like that Matthew has a friend that's sick with cancer and he went to uh to wanted to give him some things and he said he never got around to the conversation about God wanting him healed but you try anyway because that's your job you have a word of healing on the inside of you that can easily be delivered to anybody who ever has a need And so this young man has been in the newspaper because he's wanting to visit all the stadiums or something before he dies or, you know, and when, when it's put out there like that, there'll be a lot of people that look at that and know God can heal you. You understand what I'm saying? So he's gonna have to dodge all the people with words of healing from God if he's gonna stay sick and see all the stadiums before he dies. Because there's words of healing all the time. People pick up a newspaper. And begin to pray for him. People see him somewhere and begin to pray for him. So there's a word of healing in every part of God's body that would ever come into contact with this young man. So he's kind of doomed to get healed, folks. If he doesn't watch himself, he's going to get healed in spite of himself, you see. Because once the body of Christ gets mobilized and we begin to move toward that part that is in need of repair and that is sick then that whole world will be healed, folks. The whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, his goodness, his healing power, his virtue, his power to save, his power to heal. The world's going to be filled with that knowledge. And people in the world will be able to plunge into that healing pool anytime that they want to, simply by a decision they make that I don't want to be sick anymore, I want to be well. So if you need prayer, come on up. We can start to pray now and believe God to heal you. Whatever it is 
that is ailing you and not right in your body, God has a healing word for you. And we'll speak that word. It might be something just as simple as be healed in the name of Jesus. It might be something like, you know, just begin to exercise yourself in Jesus' name. It might be something just that simple. building let's lift our hands in the presence of the Lord we're going to worship him the Bible declares that we are to worship him in the beauty of holiness I want every hand lifted if you want to close your eyes go ahead and close them but I want you to focus upon Jesus now for he alone is worthy to be worshipped and worthy to be adored. Can I get an amen on that? Can I get an amen on that? The Bible records in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 11. It says, when the wise men came to the place where baby Jesus was, it says, when they saw him, they fell down and worshipped him. Everybody say, fell down. They bowed down and they worshipped him. And the scripture says, and then their treasures were opened. And they presented unto him gifts. And therein is a glorious revelation of the Spirit. And it is this, that when you and I will humble ourselves and begin to worship the treasure that is in this earthen vessel begins to open up. Somebody say yes. And the gifts of the Spirit of God that are within us begin to flow. I believe if we will worship God with our whole heart, our whole spirit and soul, God's presence and power will begin to move in this place. People can be healed and delivered even while we're worshiping and recording. Does anybody believe that with me? I want you to lift up your hands now and begin to lift up your voices. That's right. Just begin to open your own mouth and begin to worship Him. Out of your spirit, just begin to bless His holy name. If He's done anything for you, just begin to worship Give the bless his name. Give the bless his name. Come on and bless his name. How down in worship him. Shall be into 
You the honor. 
everybody lift your hands. The presence of the Lord is here. On one accord.
somebody had about just two more minutes. Thank you, Jesus. To just bow down and worship Him. Worship Him. Oh, oh worship Him. I know you may be busy, but I've got to bow down and I've got to worship Him. I just want to forget all about myself and just bow down and bow down and worship Him. Bow down and worship Him. Worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. I feel your presence in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a consuming fire in this place. Can you feel His presence?
People need to know what God has really done for us. I want people to know that His power is so real. It's no act. When my flesh gets weak, He renews my strength. Oh, I dare you to get into His presence. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to get into his presence. I dare you to to just forget all about you. I dare you. I dare you to just say, Lord, just do something for me right now. I, I came out this afternoon. I need you to do something for me right now. That burden that you had, you don't have to take it back with you, right?
Spirit of God is moving and stirring in this room among souls that are worship and praise. Come on, lift those hands all over this room. Lift them. Lift that voice and begin to praise it. Oh, there's deliverance in your praise. There's healing in your praise. Oh, somebody came in the room needing a breakthrough. Just lift those hands and praise.
Thank you.